Well, good evening, everyone. Sorry for the delay. I lost the microphone, but I found it. So, wanted to pray us in and give an opportunity for the worship team to jump on up with us. See, look at this. Andy's in the, in the perfect spot. I like your style, man. Just setting up. So I uh, do wanted to pray and just kind of get started. We're going to start with worship. Um, for those of you who don't know Greg, uh, I'm going to take a moment to um, just kind of educate a little bit on that. So I'm, I'm still getting to know Greg on a more friendship level, but I've looked up to him as a leader in the region for a while. He's served, we've served, we've rubbed shoulders together, we've, we've done things together in the past. Um, but the whole point of this, these last four weeks was I wanted to, I wanted to, we asked the Lord, God, we want to pull in the seasoned people in this region who have done this, who have prayed, who have actually seen assignments come to fruition, who have, who have held a conviction, who have weathered the disappointments of unanswered prayers, who have, who are those people that have been through it that could speak into our hearts right now? And I was on a phone call with Annette um, this week uh, just discussing this, and, and we just realized, like, the need of pastoral in the prayer movement right now is, is tremendous. Right now, there's people who don't know what way is up. They don't understand what just happened in the last season. There's been people who have been praying. And so we just really feel like the, the grace of God just wanting to pour into our hearts and, and strengthen us again so that we can get back on the wall and intercede for our nation again and, and not give up. So um, just kind of random, you know, it's, this, this is a thought kind of inspired through it. I had a conversation with a friend earlier. Um, just wanted to share this verse and pray into it. Um, but I just, we had this discussion about, Jen, I'm, it's kind of funny, I'm going to use our conversation, but we were talking about laziness and just the word sluggish, and uh, I think I texted her and I said, Lord, let us not be sluggish, and it just kind of triggered this train of thought. Um, I immediately thought of the verse in Proverbs 20, verse 4, where it says, the sluggard does not plow after the autumn, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. And a definition of a sluggard is someone who is slow-moving or inactive, lacks energy or alertness, or is slow to respond or make progress. And I felt a charge from God that we should not be sluggish in this season. We can't be a church that's slow to respond and not making progress. We can't be slow moving or inactive. And we can't lack energy or alertness. And I just feel like what tonight is about and what these four weeks have been about are us not being sluggish anymore. Us getting back on the wall, giving us some practical tools, because I think that a lot of sluggish people aren't naturally lazy, they just don't know what to do. So they're, they're usually, like if I've worked in labor jobs, there's people standing around waiting for something to do and they have to be told what to do, which is a sign of immaturity. And if that's where we're at as like a community, as a broad stroke, sometimes we just need to be told what to do and we can respond well to that. So super encouraging, I know. <laughs> but I feel like the Lord's saying, I don't want you sluggish. And so I want to just pray. Can we just take a moment to stand as we start worship? I, I just want to pray that we would not be sluggish in the season. And even shaking off, being lethargic, and just ugh, just that, that feeling of inactiveness. Right now, we need to be alert. So, Father, I just pray right now for every person in this room. Lord, we thank you for Greg and if my people New England and everything, all the friends connected in the ministry. Lord, I thank you for what they have in this region. Amen. Lord, I thank you that uh, you have an assignment here tonight, Lord. So I just pray... Help us, Lord, activate us, give us strategy, give us something to do in prayer, give us assignments. Lord, we just repent on, on behalf of the church if we've been lethargic and slow to act and slow to move in prayer.
Lord, I thank you that you're activating your prayer people again. So, Lord, we just ask for your grace tonight. We thank you for what's to come, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're so happy to uh, be with you tonight and just to serve. And uh, we hope that what you'll do is quiet your minds, set your hearts on the kingdom, and that you'll just worship the king with us. We're not going to probably do a lot of talking. We're just going to worship up here, and you're free to, to join us. And I hope that you do. I hope that you'll just, um, I hope that you'll let me get my capo so I don't start in the wrong key. <laughs> I hope that what you'll do is you'll allow the Holy Spirit to just settle in. Give him your undivided attention. To not be a sluggard in worship, if there is such a thing. But Lord, we love you. You're gracious and compassionate. You are slow to anger and quick to love. You've extended your compassion to us. You have made us worthy by calling us your children. We thank you, we praise you, and we exalt you.
step down into darkness open my eyes let me see beauty that made this heart adore
together. Wonderful. Thank Jesus. Glory to God. Exactly. Beautiful.
you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy of it all.
Worship you, Jesus. We bless you tonight. Why don't we just lift up our voices and just worship the Lord and just bless him in your own words. Just bless him. Father God, we're just so glad to be here and we worship you, Jesus. We bless you, Father God. Lift up your words and, and connect with the Lord in your own personal words tonight. Father God, we just worship you. We just want you to know we love you. We praise you, Father God. We give you all the glory, Lord God. Your name be exalted, Father, in our lives, in all that we say, in all that we do, Father. We want your name to be exalted. We want the world to see you in us, Father God. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus, and we just praise your name and honor you tonight, Lord God. We thank you for honoring us with your presence, Lord Jesus, for showing up, for being here among us, Lord God. We praise you and thank you, Jesus. We worship your name tonight, Lord God. Your name, your name, your name be exalted, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We magnify your name, Jesus. You are worthy of it all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You can be you can be seated tonight. I think this is a guitar pick. And uh, we are grateful to be here tonight to be able to share with you. Been watching the announcements on Facebook about about the things God's been doing here on Wednesday nights and, and excited to be a part of it. And uh, and believe that 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 I can be the icing on the cake, <laughs> or be the be the the thrust or the piece that puts it all together. I really hope so. Or you guys can get down unless you're going to stay there the whole time. Okay. And so I uh, just want to share some things and. Uh, Whenever I share a word, it's always, I try, to, I try to share what the Lord has been doing in my life. So a lot of these words are, are for me first, for, for, for what the Lord wants to do in my life. And um, also, I always want to share what can be applied. I never want to share some deep revelation, even though that's good and that's, that's awesome. I love getting revelation. But for me, the practical needs to come back to the church where I'm hearing what I can apply and then I can apply it accordingly 
And so, so for uh, Suzanne and I, um, we've been missionaries for 27 years, so we always looked to implement everything that we did. We never, we never looked to get, uh, it's not that we don't want to go in depth, or that we don't want to go deep, but we, our hearts were for discipling people, and I learned the first year as a missionary, I'm talking way over these guys' heads. They're not catching anything I'm saying. And uh, I, I really began to ask the Lord, make me a teacher. And then he even had to go further than that and said, make me a children's teacher. Because everything that needs to be shared needs to be a child understanding. Uh, in other words, it isn't, it isn't that we have big people class and little people class. Everybody needs to be able to understand the basic, simple things that the Lord is asking of us, and it, it, no matter how deep they are. And so um, I just want to share with you some of the things the Lord has been doing in my, uh, my own life regarding prayer and, and about uh, applying it to, to our lives. So let me ask you a question. We've all heard this phrase, prayer's our strongest weapon, our greatest weapon. Do you ever hear that? Amen. Do you agree with that? Yeah, raise your hand if you agree with that. Prayers are strong. Okay. Good. Okay. So I'm in the right place. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a couple of years ago, well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But prayer being our strongest weapon, if it's our strongest weapon, then, and here's where I want to go with this tonight. Prayer should never and only be inclusive to the church and inside the church. And so tonight, what I want to encourage you to do is take prayer to the streets. Take prayer to the lost. Take prayer outside those doors. And not make prayer a night we come to join in prayer inside the church only, or something I do as a daily devotional, but something I do for the unbeliever. Now, I've been prayer walking this city for two years, or three, maybe. And, and on an occasion, we'll walk by someone, and they need prayer. You're like, can we pray for you? Yeah. And they got a million things wrong with them. And we pray, and if prayer's my strongest weapon, why would I withhold it from that person? Why would I not give it out and be ready at all times to give prayer. So here in Ephesians 6, 17, it says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so he's talking about putting the armor on, um, which is a lifestyle, not a, okay, now I put my helmet on, now I tie my belt. It isn't that. It's a lifestyle of, of living. And it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. So here's Paul saying the culmination of the armor of God is a vigilant and a persevering spirit of prayer that one applies to his life. Why? For all the saints and me. And here's the why. That utterance may be given to me, to you, that I may open my mouth boldly 
and make known the mystery of the gospel. So here we put on the armor of God, and a lot of that protects us against the attacks of the enemy. But the prayer part of it is so that you will be able to speak to people and share clearly and with an understanding that they understand, not that you understand, but that they get it, the gospel. So prayer isn't only for in here and where I keep it in here, but it's so that I bring it out. It's my strongest weapon, but I don't wield it against my brother. <laughs> I don't wield weapons against my brother, right? I wield weapons against the enemy and against the things of the enemy. And the enemy is oppressing those guys out there. Now, can the enemy oppress a, a brother in the Lord? Yes. Are there times people in church need prayer? Absolutely. Should you withhold that? No. But in the same way, you should not withhold it when you come to church. You shouldn't withhold it when you're outside either. Amen? So that's where I want to go with this. And I hope, and I'm sure Miles did a great job and Josiah did a great job. And so I don't plan to add to what they said. I want to be the puzzle piece that pulls what they said in to bringing it out there and, and being something that's applied to my life in a practical, everyday lifestyle. So here it says, I'm being watchful with all perseverance. Now, in Acts chapter 13, it says, as they prayed, as they ministered to the Lord, it says, now at the church in Antioch, and we're going to be all over the place here, so just bear with me. I'm going to try to bring it all together, and we're going to be zigzagging here a little bit. But it says, the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. So this church had a good amount of prophets, and any church would love a good amount of prophets, a good amount of teachers. And it says, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up in Herod the Tetrarch in Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. So they were praying, they were fasting, they were worshiping before the Lord. The Lord speaks and said, set apart for me. Barnabas and Saul, for the work outside the church, which I have called them, then having fasted and prayed some more, they laid hands on them, and they sent their strongest people out. They didn't say, we can't send you. You're too valuable. You're too necessary for this church. This is, you're what we need. They sent those guys away. Could you imagine having five awesome ministers in your church and you send the most loving guy out and the most the guy who had the most revelation on the word and you say bye to them and you're left with the other three and 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 the thing is is God our prayer life should be also outward to the lost. That's where it should push us to. That's where it should send us to. And I'm just going to show you a few examples. So this was as they prayed. Yes, they prayed for, they prayed for, they prayed inside the church, but then it was always to go forward. So here's another example uh, in Luke 9. That's kind of hard to read. I got small font here, but it's in Luke chapter 9. They're on the mountain of transfiguration. And it says, as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke to his de uh, of his decease, which was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. 
But Peter and those who were heavy with sleep, and when they were fully awake, they saw the glory of the two men who stood with him. Then it happened that as they were parting from him, that Peter said to Jesus, Master, is it good for us to even be here? And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. So here we have an encounter with the Lord, an awesome time of prayer. So much so, people are starting to glow. The Spirit of God is thick. It's moving. Everybody's on their face. And Peter's like, you know what we need to do? A building project. We need to build three tabernacles, one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We can't let this go. We got to hold on to this. We have to make sure that this doesn't go anywhere. And Peter's like, if we just build right now three tabernacles, we can hold on to this. And of course, the cloud comes over and says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Boom. All of a sudden, everything is vanished. And I know soaking Times of soaking are good. I was, I was in uh, Texas, house of prayer down there. I forget what it's called, the upper room. I had a guy from Mike Bickle's IHOP there. And he said, if all your public meetings are soaking sessions, you will never get anything done. What you're doing is you're actually uncultivating a lifestyle of prayer at home so that when people come here, they soak and soak because that's the only time they soak. They don't soak at home. They come to soak so nothing gets done because they just want to stay here in the presence of God. But God has a government on his shoulders and he exerts that government through his people. Is that right? So here... The following verses says the next day after that tremendous encounter where the heavens opened up, the voice of God was heard, people were shining, glowing, tremendous, outpouring. They're coming down and it says, now it happened the next day when they came down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. Suddenly a man from the multitude cried out, saying, Teacher, I implore you, look up my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit, a demon, seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and departs with him with great difficulty, bruising him. So what is the first encounter of coming out of that awesome time of soaking, that awesome time of the Lord showing up, is an encounter with the enemy... And Jesus is prepared to deal with it. The other disciples couldn't. Jesus could deal with it. Jesus had been in the presence of God, but Jesus left from that presence of God, carrying what he got in the presence of God and not holding on to it himself, but giving it away to those who had great need. And you're going to find people everywhere that have great need and need what you have. Andrew Walmack once said, you're somebody's miracle. You just need to give it to them. And, and so often we're like, I'm not giving that. What if he gets mad at me? What if he barks at me? What if he rejects me? What if he says something to me I don't like? What if he, he, he yells at me? But walk away <laughs> if he yells at you. <laughs> what if he accepts what you have? So, so here... 
as they prayed, that prayer led them to powerful ministry. It wasn't contained in the tabernacles they wanted to build. It wasn't contained where they wanted to keep it. It was the Lord said, no, 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 no. You listen to him and you also watch him. And that word listen means with the, the intent of applying. Here with the intent of applying it to your life. So here's uh, Jesus coming down and immediately needing the very thing that was put into him the day before. Immediately that got put in and now immediately he's needing to give that out. And Jesus never got empty, right? For giving it away. One more example. And I believe the book of Acts and a lot of the stories that are out in the book of Acts to me was always a, a street preacher's manual. It was street ministry manual. It wasn't inside the church manual. It was the shadows didn't fall on the people in the church. The shadows fell upon the people in the street as they walked in the street. So the book of Acts to me has always been a street preacher, a street manual, a street evangelism manual. Not an inside the church role, role model book, although it can be that. But you find in the book of Acts, anytime they were in their church, usually arguments broke out. <laughs> and anytime they left the church, great miracles and great things began to happen because they were, they were where the people had need. So here, this verse here, 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah, outside, not in the church, he's confronting 450 pagan priests. It says, and he came to pass at the time of the offering that the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that you have done these things at you, and I have done these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. A great prayer to pray over anybody outside. What I'm about to pray, Lord, answer it so they'll know. So they'll know you love them. So they'll know. You're alive, that you have power, that you're with them. And, and it says, verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. That is the goal of praying for people outside, for them to say, The Lord, he is God. That's the goal when you pray over somebody. You pray over somebody you see on the street. There's a million of them on the street here in Manchester. A lot of them want prayer. They're just waiting for somebody to offer. They're in a lot of pain. They're looking for somebody to say, I'll pray for you and believe. Not I'll pray for you tomorrow night when we have a prayer meeting. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for you tonight, right? Now, let me ask you this question. Ready? Here's a simple question. Why not? What do you, right? Yeah. And you're not wrong, right? So let me move on here. And this is where I might start zigzagging. Oh, here's another one here. Acts chapter 8. 
Now when the apostles who had, were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they didn't have a church in Samaria, they, they just, guy went down and he's winning people on the street, and uh, they sent Peter and John to come down, who, when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for it yet not had fallen upon them, and they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So here you have people on the street receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit after they prayed. You can do that. You can do that. Even though you don't say amen, you can do that. <laughs> you can do that. That is why. Let me just say this. The other day, did you ever say this to yourself? The Lord will never use me. The Lord would never use someone like me. The Lord doesn't want to use me. Did you ever say that? Just Andrew, the one who the Lord's using. Do you know what the fallacy of that is? Why would God save you if he doesn't want to use you? Why would God even bother saving you if he doesn't want to use you? Think that one through. God wants to save you, but not use you. Isn't that kind of weird? I say he does want to use you. God's not stuck. God wants to use you. God wants to see you be powerful for him. So one more example, I believe. Acts 8. I'm sorry, that's really small letters, but it's the eunuch. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Philip, arise, go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is, this is desert. So here's the Lord telling him, get out of your house, go on the street, go down that desert street where nobody is, long, short. He meets a eunuch, and the Lord speaks to him and says, catch up to that chariot. And this guy's reading the book of Isaiah chapter 53. The center theme of the whole entire Bible, new and old, is Isaiah 53. That's the most important chapter in the whole Bible. And this guy's reading it. And Philip says, hey, do you know what you're saying, reading? He's like, no, I need somebody to explain it to me. Well, lo and behold, here I am, says Philip. Come on up. He, see, if he had waited for that guy to mosey into the church he'd still be waiting he had to go out and be prepared and so as he spoke interesting side note here this is a very interesting side note the eunuch says uh, look there's water what hinders me from being baptized it's interesting that Philip used baptism in the very first message he spoke to the eunuch Maybe they were an hour driving. Like, look, water. Can I get baptized now? And Philip said, you can. And after he got baptized, Philip got <laughs> translated. His work was done after the baptism. His work was done, not before it. So Philip was not only in a power evangelism mode, but he was in a discipleship mode as well. And he was training this person not only in praying to get him aligned with the Lord, but also taking the steps he needed to get on the right path. Now, let me just say this here. 
prayer took these men to the street. It did not take them to the church. They got involved in the church after, but the Lord met these people where they were at in the street and brought them in. Does that make sense? The idea of, if you pray this way, I believe you're praying wrong. Lord, bring whoever needs to be here tonight. I believe you're praying wrong. Lord, why don't we just say this to God? Lord, go ye into all the world and make disciples of all nations while I sit here on the throne. Isn't the Great Commission the Lord telling us to go, not us telling God to go? How many of our prayers are like, God, go. You go. Bring him in, Lord. Whoever you bring in, we'll minister to, Lord. Isn't this supposed to be the other way around? Like, whoever we bring in, the Lord will minister to? <laughs> I mean, we're just like always asking God to do what he's told us to do. Lord, bring him in. Lord, go get him. Lord, show him. Meanwhile, our job is to be blessed and prospered. <laughs> no, it's not. But we're supposed to bring this out to them. So prayer took these men to the streets. Now, here's an interesting story in 1 Kings. And uh, Elijah, Elijah is being told by God, you got to go anoint Elisha as prophet in your steed. And so Elijah uh, comes up to Elisha and he throws his mantle on him. And Elisha says, let me go and first kiss my father goodbye and then I'll follow you. And Elijah replied, go back and think about what I've done for you. And so Elisha returned the oxen, slaughtered them, broke them up, passed the food out to the people. Twelve teams of oxen. He had a lot of meat to give out. And then he went, and, and uh, in Spanish, in English it says he was his assistant. In Spanish it says he washed his hands. So he became a servant to the man of God. But this, this verse here, think about what I've done for you, is something I believe the church needs to reflect on and say, what has the Lord done to me, for me? And not to let that go. I'll give, you a, I'll give you two examples. When I had my church in Mexico, we had a prophetic convention, and I invited Apostle David Castellanos to come. He was apostle of El Calvario in the whole country of Mexico. He came to our church. We're having a tremendous prophetic conference, our first one, and God is really moving. And uh, he says, Greg, the Lord wants me to give you my shoes. He's a size 9. I'm a size 12. I do not need shoes. And, and the first thing I said was, no, 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 no. No, you, you got to keep your shoes. But he gave them to me, and I knew what he was doing. And he knew what he was doing. The first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to give him back his shoes. Take back your shoes. Walk home. You're walking barefoot. No, 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 no. The Lord was trying to tell me something, and I was fighting the Lord. I was fighting the Lord. That was, whew, well, how many years ago? And then 
One year I went to India. And uh, I'm in the presence of this guy named Brother Denikrin. This guy, Brother Denikrin, walked in and out of heaven like you and I walk in and out of the bathroom. Operating all nine gifts of the Spirit, and we're over there. He, he, had, a, he had a meeting of 400,000 people. And we were on stage looking up like, there's a lot of people out there. And, and, you know, I, that was like the first time we ever did the panorama. Back then, we didn't, our cameras didn't have panorama, so it's like click, 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 click. And I had to, I had to develop all those pictures and kind of like, it was just massive sea of people all sitting on the ground, all sitting still because of the man of God that was speaking. And, and when he spoke, you sat down and be quiet and listened and were blessed. And... Uh, so he gave us a private audience. There was about 12 of us there, and he's telling us all about his experiences. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me, excuse me over here, yo, me, yeah. Little skinny guy, I was a little skinny guy back then. It's like, yo, me, the little skinny guy right here, yeah. Uh, I didn't come to hear stories. <laughs> I would like you to lay your hands on me, like right now, before you leave, and I came for nothing. And this guy was the most compassionate guy in the whole world. I don't think I've ever met a more compassionate guy. And he's like, <laughs> come over here. And, and so he had trouble with his knees. Major healing ministry, but he had trouble with his knees. So he's sitting down. So he says, get on your knees and I'll and, and put your hands on my legs. And I did. And I put my hands on his legs. And he puts his hands on my hands. And all of a sudden, the whole entire room turns upside down. I'm like, what the heck? And he says, I bless these hands. And whoever these hands are laid on are going to be blessed. I bless you, and I bless these hands. And whoever you lay your hands on, they're going to be blessed. And that guy proceeded to read my mail, my private mail, my mail that nobody in the world ever knew, ever. They couldn't have known it because I never told them. One of them was when I was a young Catholic boy, Catholic priest would stand up and say, we need priests in the ministry. How about some of you young guys thinking about going into ministry? My heart's like, I want to do that. I want to do that. But I had two uncles that were priests, and I didn't want what they had. And I never told my mother that because I didn't want to get shipped out to St. Louis and never see my family again. So I never told anybody that when I was a young boy in the Catholic Church, God was calling me. And he told me. He said, oh, that was me calling you. That was me calling you. I'm like, seriously. Nobody could have known that. Nobody does know that. Well, you know that now because I just told you, but nobody ever knew that. Um, and the whole point of all this is this. We've all gotten words, and we let go of them. I let go of that word that that guy gave me about the shoes. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. God would never use me. And then, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something that I want you to pull back from the dead. There have been times that God has given you a word 
There's been times that God has spoken to you about things in your life and you let it go. Let me tell you something. If you're like, no, God never said nothing. If God said to you, sister, I love you, the Lord giving you a word say, sister, I just want you to know I love you, and that is the only word you ever received from the Lord. I want, to, I, wanna, I want you to understand the emphasis on that. God came to Canal Street and said, oh, look, Cynthia's here. I need to give Cynthia, not Greg, the Lord, I need to give Cynthia a word. I've been meaning to tell you Blah, 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 blah. The Lord did not give that word to everybody, only to her. Only. Think about that for a moment. The creator of the whole entire universe came to this puny planet, to this puny state, to this puny city inside this puny state and came to this puny location inside this puny state, inside this puny country, inside this puny, puny planet to give you a word. You, only you, not a you general everybody word, you. When that guy handed me the shoes, God was talking to me, only me, and nobody else. There was, we weren't like, dude, let's just give everybody shoes here tonight. Everybody needs, it wasn't that. It was Greg. God has a word for you. It has to do with shoes. Apostolic shoes. When I was in India, and there have been other words, but that man laid his hands on me and he gave a word to me, not to everybody that was in the room and everybody in that room wanted a word and got a word and got a different word. But the word I got, if you take these and lay them on anybody, they will be blessed. But I let it go. I looked down on that. I didn't hold on to it. I didn't run with it. You would think I would be out there just like, You'd think I would do that. But I got an excuse for not doing that. It's not valid before God or anybody else. And, and that's the thing. If prayer's my strongest weapon, if God has given you a word, you're going to be a light to the Gentile. You forget any of that. You're going to be a prophet. You're going to speak. You're going to be a healer. You're going to heal people. That word was given to you to hold on to and apply it to your life. And if I may, take it to the street. Take it to the street. Take it to the street and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to use this word the Lord gave me to not hog it and to not wait for my ideal location when somebody asks me to preach I'm going to bring it to the street what has the Lord done for you what has the Lord said to you has the Lord given you a word it's not for you to, to uh, 
decorate your house with. It's for you to take and apply it to your life and say, I'm taking this to the street. I'm taking it to those who have need. I'm taking it and applying it, and I'm not forgetting it, and I'm not leaving it behind. We have services in my house every Sunday. When I share that word, one of the ladies is like, you have to lay your hands on every single one of us right now. <laughs> like, okay, let's do it. Why not? Why shouldn't I? Second Timothy 5.17. I remember your genuine faith, and you share, for you share the faith that has filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and how that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you, that word God gave you, fan it to flame, because this idea of fanning to flame means without care, it can die, it can, it can go out. Fan to flame means I have a part to keep it raging. When I laid my hands on you, for God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and sound mind. I love it. So look, fear and timidity keep us from fulfilling God's gift in our life. So if God gives you a gift, I'm going to give you the gift of prophecy, of healing, of all this. But you're like, well, you know, I'm just kind of afraid to lay my hands. What if they reject me? What if they get mad? What if they run away? What if, what if they do? Not all will, by the way. Not all will. In 40 years or so of being a Christian, only one person wanted to chop my head off. He was a Hare Krishna, and I was quite aggressive. And I was like, bang, that one didn't go well. But that was my fault, and that was in the early days. But if you approach somebody in love and you want to help somebody, they're more than likely not going to shut you down. Look, fear. This is amazing. This is like the biggest... Revelation to me. I was like, oh, get a load of that. Fear is a noun. <laughs> a noun. You know what a noun is, right? Person, place, or thing. It's interesting that fear is not a adjective or whatever those other things are that describe language. Fear is a noun. It's a thing you can deal with. It's a thing. fear. And this is, this, is, <laughs> this, is the, this is the definition of fear in this context. An unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat, not even based on fact. <laughs> based on an emotion that is welling up because of a situation I'm being confronted with. So fear, the thing, is telling me something bad's going to happen if you want to pray for that person. Something bad's going to happen if you open your mouth and share the Lord. Something bad. And all of a sudden your emotions are like, well, you know, maybe next time. I don't think God would ever use me. That's when that argument comes in. When God really wants to use you, I'm saying, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have enough time right now. I got to go somewhere. And then you start really giving in to that fear. But fear is just an emotion. It's a perception 
that isn't based on fact. I thought that was so powerful. And not only that, it's a noun, so you can deal with it. I rebuke this fear in Jesus' name. I rebuke this foul thing in Jesus' name. You can do that. Timidity. Timidity is also a noun. It's a lack of courage or confidence. So I'm lacking the courage to do the thing God Almighty has commanded me to do. Speak up. Pray for this one. Pray for that one. Do what the Lord has called you to do. Because the Lord has done so much in our lives. Prayers for Altera. You can do it. You might have to deal with a noun. <laughs> you might have to cast a noun out. <laughs> but you can do it. Not only can you do it. God wants to, you to do it and the devil does not. Sometimes, like when I'm in that situation, I'm like, hmm, let's see. If I, don't, if I don't talk to this person, is the devil happy? And if I do, will God be happy? As they prayed. Okay, so here you have Paul telling Timothy, stir up. It's a, it's a compound word. It's like, let that animal beast in you come alive. Not in a negative way, not in a devouring my brother way, but it's let that thing come alive. Stir it up. Let it come alive. That's dying. That's getting put out. Let it come alive. And rekindle. To rekindle a fresher, to keep in full flame. It's metaphorically here where it can die with the neglect. If I neglect it, it can go out. That means it's on me to keep the fire raging and keep the fire burning. How do I do that? I do pray. I do have a closet time with prayer. But that's not the only time I'm praying. I'm bringing it and taking it to the streets. I'm making myself available. Just a few more slides here, and then we're going to pray in this. So this here, 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, what a big charge this is. I'm like, dang, what's going to follow this thing? I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is the judge and the living and the dead, and by the light of his coming to his kingdom. I just got Timmy's, Timothy's uh, attention. I was like, yeah. What do you need me to do? Herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by. Be at hand and ready. Whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable. Whether it's convenient or inconvenient. Oops. Whether it's welcome or unwelcome. You as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong and convince them, rebuking and correcting, warning and urging, encouraging them, be unf unflagging and inexhaustible in patience and teaching. So it's like, I'm charging you in all this God Almighty and who he made the thing. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready. So let me ask you, what would keep you from being ready? If you have not been given a spirit of fear, but in this order, power. You've been given a spirit of power. 
and of love to administer that power in a sound mind and a discipline to be able to shut down that fear so that you can administer that power in a loving way. Last verse. Last verse. Whoops. One more. One more. Go one more slide. Okay. So here in John 21, 15 to 19, after breakfast, Simon, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What do you suppose more than these means? I think he's with a bunch of other disciples. And the Lord is like, do you love me more than these people here? All these people? He sings, yeah, hey, you, do you love me more than these? And it's not that God is degrading the love that the others have for him. He's just saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to launch out into the deep. I want you to go deep. I want you all the way in. Look at the response. I mean, I thought Jesus must have had a pit in his stomach after this conversation because it's like, yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. So here's how this discourse goes. Jesus, Peter, do you agape me? A deep commitment to love. Peter, Lord, I think you're like one of my best buddies. You're a great friend. I consider you one of my closest friends. Jesus, the second time. Peter, do you agape me? Peter, like I think you're one of my closest friends, Lord. The third time, the Lord doesn't say, do you agape me? He says, do you philo me? Do you consider me a... A good buddy? And Peter's bummed out. He's like, yeah, Lord, you know that. I think, like, you're my closest buddy. All three of those times, being a friend of the Lord, being in love with the Lord, whether agape or phileo, the Lord says, you need to feed my sheep. You need to feed them. You need to minister to them. What you have is not your own. When you were young, you could go wherever you want, do whatever you want. Yeah, amen, go for it. But now that you're old, somebody else is going to stretch out your hands. In other words, you're going to have to go down avenues you don't want to go. And in the prayer teaching, and I hope, I hope I can pull this together, it's this. What you get in the closet is to be shared to be shared. Consider your prayer closet, your food pantry for everybody. And they have a need. And you got a lot. I got this in prayer. You got that in prayer. You can give it away. You can share that. You can bring that to others. You ever go out to eat at a restaurant? Out to a restaurant? And I don't ask the waitress or the waiter anymore, like, hey, what's your name again? I didn't catch your name. Oh, my name is Fulana. Fulana. 
I'm going to pray for you. What do you need prayer for? Oh, uh, my, uh, my puppy dog is, uh, has been uh, keeping me up at night. Really? Okay. Let me pray for your puppy dog. Father, I pray for Fulana's puppy dog. And in Jesus' name, reveal your love and your power and your might to this woman. In Jesus' name. Amen. I hope your dog is better. If prayer's my greatest weapon, why am I not giving it to all the waiters and waitresses? We have reduced many a waitress to tears. What do you need? Oh, my mother's dying of cancer. We got it. Father, in Jesus' name, heal that woman's cancer. And every prayer is so fire would fall. And Father, bless this woman. Let her know. Let her know. Jesus loves her above all. Reveal your great love to her. If it's a weapon, and if it's my strongest weapon, why wouldn't I give it to him? Ubering down in Boston. I used to do Uber in Boston. People were like, are you insane? <laughs> and uh, it's, it's pouring out. It's pouring out. And... I had a tip cup up there. Didn't make good tips, but I had it there. And there was a, a buck in, in it. And uh, I'm waiting at a light. And it's pouring out. And this, there's this girl on the side of the road. And she's just looking for money. I said, come over here. I got, I got some money for you. She's like, you do? I said, yeah, here, take this money. Grabbed her hand and I said, and in Jesus' name, I pray your situation changes and that you would know that God loves you and that God would manifest his power to you powerfully in Jesus' name. I got to go, light's green. And that lady said to me, bawling her eyes out, I just have had a tough time. I'm just having a tough time. I'm not on drugs. I'm just having a tough time. I wonder how many people just judged her as, she's a drug addict, and I'm not going to give her money because she'll just spend it on drugs. Maybe she will. Maybe she will. But before she spends that on drugs, she's going to get the most anointed prayer that I can muster up to pray on her before I give her that money. And why not? If that was me, I would want it. I would want you to do it. I would want you to do that. If I was waiting on you in a restaurant and my heart was aching and hurting, I would love for somebody to say, we're going to pray for you. Amen. Do it. I need it. I want it. Told my friend Roger, you know, we, we do that with Roger all the time. My friend Roger, we're out to eat, and we always are praying over people. And uh, I have another friend, Sharon and Alan, and we went out to eat, and uh, we started doing that with them there. It's like, I don't care who I'm with. I don't really care what they think. I'm going to pray for this person. So I'm like, hey, 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 come over here. And, and we don't ask them, you know, if you want us to pray about something, you come back and let us know. You know what? They're going to come back and let you know they don't want prayer. I'm not going to give the devil that opportunity. They're going to be like, come here, I want to pray for you. So, so the other night, they're in T-Bones, and they invited us to go to T-Bones. And uh, then later on that night, 
Sharon texts me and she's like, are you guys in T-Bones? I'm like, no, we didn't end up going. She's like, oh, why? Well, this waitress got prayed for twice. <laughs> Tonight. You don't think that's speaking to her? You don't think that's speaking to her because someone took prayer outside of the, of the four walls and, and, and blessed someone who was waiting on them? Doesn't mean you have to throw a $200 bill at them, although we did once, and boy, did they bust it and lose it and cry and the whole nine yards. That pregnant lady at Parker's, we, I don't know how much money we gave her. She was like, you made a mistake on the tip. I'm like, no, you didn't. I'm like, well, you see, the bill is this much, and your tip is like three times the amount of the bill. I'm like, yeah, amen. Thank you. Single mom, pregnant. Like, can we pray for you? Yeah, I'm a single mom. I got a baby coming. Like, good. Now we got to pray for you. The church has to get to where they don't care what people think anymore. They have to get to where I have something, you need it, and I want to give it to you. You need a miracle, I got it, I want to give it to you. You're not being arrogant. You're recognizing the deposit God has given you and the commission he's given you because of that deposit. Does that make sense? Are you following me? You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. We're in Applebee's, and I'll end with this. We're in Applebee's one day, Suzanne and I, my sister. I'm like, what can we pray for you with? He's like, well, you know, I got a sore back. Really? Okay. Good. Father, we pray you'd heal this back. How's that feel? A little better. We'll pray again. Father, heal this back. How's that feeling? Well, that's really feeling a lot better. We'll pray again. That guy's doing leg. Oh, you, you, oh my goodness, what the heck? Applebee's. <laughs> I'll give you one more story, just so you know that it's something you can do. We'll witness it. We're, we're prayer walking. Oh, we went out witnessing at Veterans Park. And uh, I went up to this guy and I said, anything I can pray for you about? like, uh, no, but I'm married to her. She doesn't take no from anybody. No to Suzanne is a challenge. And I learned from her that no doesn't mean no, except when she tells me no, then it's no. <laughs> so I'm like, got any pain in your body? Yeah. Well, I can pray for that. He said to me, this is what he said. He said, you can't help my pain. He said, I'm not even trying to help your pain. God can heal you. No, he can't. He said, I had a ton of steel fall on me and smush two of my vertebrae. I am in constant pain a lot, all the time. I said, what's your pain? Scale of one to ten. Eleven. Okay, okay. I'm going to pray for you. Well, you know, in Jesus' name. You know, he's, in Jesus' name. Father, take away all this pain in Jesus' name. Right now, right now in Jesus' name. No big fancy prayer. No hula bala. No. Father, in the name of Christ, te pido, in the Spirit, Santo, none of that. It's all just, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray that you would heal this person right now. How's that feel? 
scale of 1 to 10, what is it? Oh, I'd say about a 7, but that's awesome. I'm good. He said, no, 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 I got to get that down. You're not going to be able to get it down any further. I said, worry. I'll just pray again. Father, in Jesus' name, you know, in Jesus' name, just heal this person. Father, take away all this pain right now in Jesus' name. How's it feel now? <laughs> you know, other colorful choice words. Scale of 1 to 11, what's your pain level? Three. I said, I'll get it off you. No, 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 I am fine. This is the best I've ever felt in a long time. Let me get it off. No, you can. I said, let me do it. And I prayed again, you know, him bucking all the way. Down to zero. You got any other problems I can help you with? Yeah, I got a lot of other problems, but you ain't going to be able to get that off me. I said, but for real. <laughs> but you know what? He had a need, and I had a miracle. Am I better than anybody? Absolutely not. I was just available. And why when they taught us? It's not ability. It's availability. It's you being available. Can you be available to those out there to use your gift that God has deposited on you, that God has said, you, listen, I got something I want you to do. I need you to bring healing to the nations. If you've got that, that does not mean healing to the nations inside the churches. That means healing to the nations outside the churches. Amen? So here's what I'd like to do if I could. I'd like you to stand up. And I just want to activate you. Can I do that? And I just want to pray and say, and I want to take away any fear, doubt, any other noun that might be getting in your way. And I want to say, and I want to activate you to be a voice and a witness out there. Because a lot of times it's easy to do things like that where we're safe. Where we're safe. We all are praying for revival. Before I came to this, before I came here tonight, I was on a call with a friend and we were praying. He's like, and Lord, send revival because we understand we need revival. Do you understand the revival that is coming is not going to look like the Charles Finney, Charles Wesley, George Whitfield revival where millions came to the churches? It ain't going to happen that way. No one's going to cancel what they're doing to come and hear a guy anymore at a church. It's going to be the church going out and getting them. That's where it's going to happen. That's how revival will happen. Revival isn't going to be, i got to go here, the superstar. It's now you've been equipped. You got the power. You got the anointing. You got the words. You go. It's always been the plan, but the church decided to lock that one up for a while. And we're going to unlock that and say, no, no, absolutely not, no more. I'm not going to sit here and be quiet while the world burns waiting for the opportunity for God to use me. Will it be scary the first time? Might be. You just got to be intentional. You got to be intentional about saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I want to pray to activate you. And then, Chris, if you get anything, you, you can 
go from there. But uh, why don't we just raise our hands right now? And I just want to activate you, Father God, Suzanne, if you get anything as well. Father God, I just come before you tonight. And I want to activate, Lord, the people, Father, the prayer people to be the power prayer people outside the church in Jesus' name. And Lord, I come before you right now and I ask for a, an activation, Lord God, to move out into uncharted waters, to launch out into the deep and say, I will be available for God, whatever he wants, wherever he wants, however he wants. Lord, in Jesus' name, I activate him tonight in Jesus' name and say, you are activated to move out into the deep things of God. What you've learned inside, take outside. What you've, what you've been taught and trained inside, now take it outside in Jesus' name to those who are perishing, those who have needs, those who have a need, and you can meet it with prayer by connecting them to God Almighty. In Jesus' name, I commission you. I loose you from fear. I loose you from timidity. And I activate the spirit of power, of love, and sound mind in Jesus' name. And I declare a, a body moving forward, displaying the power of God, in the love of God, without obstacle in Jesus' name with the discernment to know what's coming at them and pray accordingly in Jesus' name. Father God, tonight, may your body be activated. May it be challenged. May it be receiving the challenge to say, here am I, Lord, use me. Enough with the God would never use me. Enough with that. God will definitely use you. God wants to use you. God is ready to use you. Line up. I speak on lining up with what God wants. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As we were worshiping, I had this vision of Jesus inside each one of us and filling us up and his hands just going out like past our own hands, being extended, and his feet, his legs and his feet just longer and, and walking forward, and his heart beating inside of us. And, and that's a picture of every morning when we come to him, he fills us up. And then he sends us out. And so, Father, I pray right now. I declare a longing. I declare and decree a longing in the hearts of every one of us. A longing and a stirring by your spirit to be in your presence. To know Jesus in a deeper way. To be still before you every morning to wait on you, to contemplate your amazing beauty. That we would know we are extensions of you. And as we smile at people, it's you smiling at them. 
And as we touch people, it's you touching them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just wanted to read something that happened today. I'm a nanny, and one of the kids is, there's two kids, seven years old and five years old. And the five-year-old was getting disciplined, and he was having a hard time of it. He was, he was angry, and he couldn't repent. He just resisted it. And it took him probably an hour and a half by being sent to his room, coming down, different things. And his, his big brother, who's seven, wrote him this note. He saw his brother's struggle, and he wrote this. If it was God versus devil, God would win. But if it was you versus devil, you win. You can win. And why can he win? Because God's in him. <laughs> Amen. I, uh, and, and on top of what Suzanne said, the desire to receive from the Lord, take it out. Take it out and give it away. I just want to share this one announcement with you. Um, I had been very disconnected from the youth because I said, age gap, age gap, I don't understand them, they don't understand me, they like TikTok, I like Facebook, I like Hotmail, they like whatever. And, and, and so I made excuses for disconnecting from the youth and the Lord said, this year, Tiff, my people, I want you to focus on the youth because if you don't, who's gonna? Not meaning no one is available, but it's like, you're, I'm the older generation. I'm on my way out. I might not be here in 10 years. What am I going to have imparted into a younger generation? What am I going to give them? I don't want to die with secrets. I don't want to be like, I don't want to be like to them. Dude, it's, a, it's a, a cost to get what I've given, so pay the cost and get it. No, I want to give it. Let them stand on my shoulders and get so much more ahead. And so this, this year, one of the many things we're going to be doing is we're going to be focusing on the youth, ages 8 to 18. And so we have a youth event down at, uh, in Salem, New Hampshire. The Lord has given us some tremendous youth that are just, just they're self-starters. They're, they're focused. They're, they love God, which is what we want. We want youth that are on fire to set youth that are not on fire on fire. And we, want, and we want to give them a place where they can connect with others because, you know, youth feel like they're the only people that love God and nobody else does. And so would you help me get the word out and get youth to that? And by the way, youth, as they told us in YWAM, is a state of the heart, not an age. So if you want to come to it, you can. But basically what we want to do is we want to sow into the youth and we want to bless the youth. Some of the creative ideas... When it says prizes right there, it isn't for
winning the beanbag sack race or the potato sack race. No, this is going to be a prize they work and are challenged in their spiritual life to get. And so um, I encourage you to please help us get that word out and to please pray for that because God wants to do a powerful thing among the youth and he wants to use the older generation to do it. The older generation has to do it. It's going to be a transferring to the younger generation. They're going to have a mess to deal with if we do not train them. And so I just ask that you would consider praying with us along that line. Amen? Yeah, you can take a picture of that with your phone. Get it on Facebook. You can see it on If My People New England on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, or any other way. Okay? Man, thank you, Greg. So good. Um, not quite done yet. I just want to do a couple things before we leave. Um, I always don't really know what to do after these because I feel like it's a it's an interesting season where when, when I was old, when I was younger. I mean, I'm I'm still young. I'm 29. I, I like to think I'm young. Um, what is up with that bottle, man? But um, when I was younger, I always dreamed about leadership. Um, I kind of coveted it. I, I always thought about what, what it would be like to stand in the front and have influence and, and do all those things. And as I got older and as I realized the responsibility of leadership, the more I didn't want it. The more I, I, I wanted to humble myself and just surrender to the, the maturity and the seasoned people and pull on them. and. and and I think it's a problem when the church has to be taught on how to honor, when it's not a natural overflow after an encounter with Jesus, when you recognize a Timothy-Paul relationship where Timothy was completely submitted to Paul. And in 2 Timothy 4, Paul was, had that strong exhortation from a father to a submitted son who would do anything that his father told him to do, spiritual father speaking. And as you know, all throughout the gospel, all throughout the, 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 the epistles, Paul had the ability to, to confidently send Timothy for, into his battles. You want to hold the baby? I like to think it makes people listen to me a little bit. <laughs> but um, something happens when, when we surrender and humble ourselves before those who have gone before us. And, and that's why in this season, right now, this isn't about a prayer event. This isn't about gathering for people's sake. Right now is a pivotal moment in the nation. Right now, bills are being passed that say men can compete in women's sports, and that's great. And I'm sorry to my sisters who have wanted to do sports, but men are now going to be able to run 5Ks with you and sprint past you as long as they identify as a woman. Why am I speaking this? Because the last verse that he talked about, there was, there was a few more after it, but 2 Timothy 4 is what stuck out to me, because it's the verse that the Lord spoke to me when this whole thing started. And I'm just going to share the quick one line that he said to me. He said, Chris, I'm bringing the, God, I'm bringing the church into an Isaiah 6 moment that will release a 2 Timothy 4 commissioning. Isaiah 6 was the moment when Isaiah saw the holiness of God, and he saw himself, and he recognized the separation. He recognized the need of a Savior. Woe, I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe is me. And then the Lord, whom should I send? And, and the response of I, I behold the holiness of God is here I am. And then the 2 Timothy 4 commissioning, when he, he encouraged us, 
verses 1 and 2, but the reason for it was verse 3. There's coming a time. If, if I could say anything confidently, and I'm not going to say, thus saith the Lord, prophesy, but I could believe by reading scripture that 2 Timothy 4, 3 is where the nation is at right now. There at a time will come where they won't endure sound doctrine. They'll be wanting their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers and according to their own desires. They will turn away their ears from truth and will turn aside to myths. They won't want truth anymore. And Paul is urging Timothy, I urge you to boldly preach the gospel because there's coming a time where they won't want to hear it. That's, that's on our hands, guys. That means it's a, it's a beseeching, it's an urging, it's a responsibility. There's, there's a portion in scripture, I can't remember where exactly it is, I think it's Exodus, but it's, it's, there was people on the wall, and it says, if you don't, let them know what's coming. He said, I want you to urge the people, if you warn them, the bloodshed, it's on their hands. But if you don't warn them, if you don't announce the bloodshed that takes place, the, 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 the thermometer of the nation, whatever happens in America, whatever happens in Manchester, if you don't urge them and preach the truth, it's on your hands. That is why we're here. And I felt like the Lord just reminded me the reason we're inviting, and, and I want to just do one last thing. I know, I know Greg prayed already, but I want us to actually respond to the Lord because this isn't about coming back next Wednesday. This is about going to your home and doing what Greg has taught us to do tonight. This is about stepping into a mantle and a responsibility to actually take the city on your shoulders and realize that there's something in your hands that you will be held accountable for when you meet Jesus. And we prayed on Sunday at church. Something happened in the service. Just the thought process of grabbing a generation and showing them the way. That we would actually say the way that they're going right now, it ends in destruction. Who's going to stand in the gap? Who's going to get in front of a moving bus that has full momentum and seems to be right? The way that seems right to a man ends in destruction. And right now, I've seen, as a young Christian, the church is okay with their feet up in the air watching it happen. And the Lord is inviting the church in His mercy, not judgment. Church, come back to the wall. Come back to your responsibility as the ecclesia. Be who you're supposed to be, church. And I just want to boldly humble myself and share something that we talked to leadership. Uh, because I know how the leaders of our church responded. But I've, I watched our church respond interestingly two weeks ago. We had a homeless man walk into our church on heroin. Can I tell you the amount of people that were uncomfortable and bothered at his presence? Can I tell you the people who were concerned that he would interrupt the production of church? Can I tell you the insecurity in my heart of what's he going to say? Can I tell you the fear of interrupting the flow of ministry? Can I tell you the rebuke of the Lord I got when I got home? When he asked me for a ride and I said no. Something's happening in the church, guys, where we're waking up. We're waking up to the reality that the nation needs a light. That the church is actually supposed to be Amen. The ecclesia. I hope this isn't too intense. So what I want to do is I want to just stand. I want to stand if this is you, where you feel like it's time to stand in the gap for, for the region, for Manchester, for your city. And I feel like it's the invitation back to the watchman on the wall. And we're just going to go into worship.
And if you want prayer, I want you to come up. And, and, and while you're doing that, while you're praying, I also want to invite you really quick to pray into, we've done this every week, we've never taken offerings in the house of prayer, but each week we've invited people. And just so you know, Remnant House of Prayer has got no budget. We've never taken offering. We don't do that. So when we invite speakers in, we do it by faith. And I just want to encourage you, if you feel like, if you feel like God is calling you into this life of prayer, I want you to sow into those who sow into you. And I want to encourage you to, to sow into If My People. So there's a couple ways you can give. It looks like it's got the picture over it, so you can't really see it. So there's a text to give number if you want to do that. Um, I don't even know how to do, I don't know what just happened there with that. So I can read the number though. So it's 603-836-9832, 603-836-9832. You can also give online at hiddenmanandministries.org or you can write a check out to If My People New England or Hidden Man Ministries, either one. So I want to encourage you, like you guys have done every week, let's sow into to Greg and Suzanne. And what they're doing in New England is an answer to prayer, guys. What they're doing is they're saying, you know what? If no one's going to do it, we're going to do it. We're going to call the church to prayer. And I want to tell you something. I can only imagine, knowing the region, the competitiveness they faced, the judgments, the what are you doing in our block? You guys probably know more than I do. But they persevered because they had a call from God and they didn't care what man said. They're doing this by faith. They're doing it. And I'm going to tell you something, the fruit that I've seen, even the first If My People Snoo Arena event, the opioid percentages dropped in a moment, and guess what happened? Right back up. Why? Because the event ended, and the church dropped the ball. But here's the thing, Greg and Sudan, they've, they've hung on to the conviction, and they're coming back, and they're reminding a church to do it again. And what our hope is, is more than just having these events every week and hoping that something happens, that we would take this home and do it. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you're merciful. I thank you that you love Manchester. You love New Hampshire. You love New England. You love the nation. You have mercy for it. You have covenant with us. But Lord, we have sinned against you. We have turned a blind eye to wickedness. We've tolerated Jezebel. We've tolerated darkness. We've dimmed our light and put a shade over it. Lord, we have been hidden at times when we're supposed to shine, Lord. And we ask you in Jesus' name to forgive us. Father, we just say tonight that we respond to the call. I say, Lord, that we will come back onto the wall and we ask for an assignment. Like the beginning of the night, I said, don't let us be a sluggard. Sluggards often are standing around not knowing what to do. Lord, I pray you would teach every person in this room what to do. I pray you would give everyone an assignment, a conviction for their city, for their family, whatever it may be. Father, we just ask right now, do something in our hearts that will shift the city. Do something in our hearts that will shift the tide of history. Lord, I pray boldness over every person, that they would stand in the gap and they would not be swayed left and right by the waves of doctrines these days are releasing to our ears. I pray that the political spirit would break off the church in Jesus' name. I pray that manipulation in Jezebel would be rebuked now in Jesus' name. I pray control and propaganda would be broken off the minds of people. I pray that we would bite in to the narrative of Jesus now in Jesus' name. Father, would you deliver us from confusion and apathy? Father, would you deliver us from our religious duties of church, and would you call a nation, would you call a region to be an ecclesia? 
God, I pray for every leader that is in this room right now. I pray for pastors. I pray for Andy. Lord, I pray for the leaders that are called to pastor the people right now. I pray you refresh them. I pray you raise up ministries in this hour. I pray churches begin to open their doors. I pray the homeless begin to walk in, and I pray the church would be ready for them. I also pray, Lord, that the church would turn it around like Greg said, and we would go to the streets in Jesus' name. So here's my hope for you guys, you know, because we're done with this, if my people, the, excuse me, the, the teach me to pray, we're done with the, the kind of the weekly teaching. We're going to be inviting teachers here and there as the Lord leads, because I'm recognizing the need of pastoral in the community. Not saying that we have issues, but we have issues. We all have issues. But the reason for pastoral is we want to make sure we stay on track. And right now, there's so many discouraged Christians who have been swayed by the, the, the election by prophetic words, people don't know who to trust prophetically anymore. I think God's reforming how much we trust in different personalities. But there's just so many things to be divided over. and I, So that's why I want to continue to pull on leaders. But my hope is that these four weeks didn't build a ministry, but they built something in you. As we've sown into your hearts that you would carry that to your homes. Because guys, your prayers can be effective. My wife and I, we just bought a house in Manchester. And the first night we prayed... We, it was probably 10 o'clock at night. We knew we wanted to do it. Harper was finally getting to sleep. And I'm like, "Con, we have to do this. We have to pray. So Elise is holding Harper. I take out my guitar. We're in our room. And we're just praying. Now, my wife's a quieter person. I'm the loud one. That's why this is what's happening. But I just start praying. And I start singing. And my wife just starts lifting her voice and singing in tongues in a, in a way that I haven't heard her sing. And all of a sudden, I just catch on to what she's doing, and I'm praying with her, and we're interceding. And I'm going to tell you guys something. I'm going to get charismatic on you, okay? So I felt a shift in the room. It popped my ears. And I said out loud, "Hun, something just entered the room. She was like, was it good or bad? I didn't clarify as I said it. But I, what hap here's what happened to me. A, a moment of fear, like a half second, a half second of fear. And then the presence of God filled that room in such a strong, tangible way. And I began to declare, this is my house. This is my land. This is my street. I take authority over my land right now. I declare the light would shine into my street. I pray for my neighbors. In the beginning of this week, and I know I'm long-winded, I'm ending right here. I saw a vision of the Google Maps. When you search your address, wherever you are, if your locations are on, it shows a dot. And I saw, I said, if the church truly grabbed hold of being the light, the light would expand. That when you take authority of your house, because it starts in the household, men, husbands rise up, not that women have less, but there's an order to holiness when a man is submitted to God in humility, and he takes the authority of leadership in his house, and he loves his wife, and he takes that spiritual authority and he declares that it's the Lord's land. From that place, your neighbors are next. From that place, your street is next. From that place, your neighborhood is next. If something happens down the street, four blocks, if there's crime, that's on your watch now. And if the church truly stepped into intercession and then put boots to the ground, that's revival. That's revival. So in Jesus' name, I pray that we would be that. I pray that we would be that church. Because that shift that took place in my house, it gave me so much faith to be like, I'm going to keep praying. 
I'm going to pray that Manchester will be saved, that homeless people are going to get set free from addiction, that those who are wandering the streets are going to encounter the love of Jesus, that Christians would become generous. I've got to tell you, last thing, I've been to restaurants with many Christians because of my job, and I'm sometimes embarrassed at the tip. Generosity is the overflow of God's love. There's an open door. We're missing opportunities, so it's, it's becoming selfless. It's laying down our life for another. So, Lord, thank you for bringing, if my people, Lord, the ministry, the mantle here tonight. I, I thank you for the breaker anointing over the region that if my people will carry. Lord, I pray for their ministry. I pray that you would continue to find favor, that they would find favor in churches. Lord, I thank you for the reformation that's coming. And, Greg, I just say you're a reformer. I pray that you would be strengthened strengthened to, to, to when you bash against that wall that you've been praying and fasting would fall and it knocks you back I thank you that you've gotten back up you've gotten back up again and again and I pray that Lord that you would strengthen them I pray you would strengthen them internally you would strengthen their hope you would strengthen their faith every wound that they've experienced by friends Lord every betrayal Lord I just pray we just honor let's just pray for them just extend your hands Lord, we pray strength over them right now. We pray that favor would fall in New England. We pray that finances would come in to support the ministry. I thank you that they've laid everything down for this, that their family is following in their steps. I thank you for the generational inheritance of kingdom. So, Lord, I pray you strengthen them. We lift up this event. We lift up the youth. I thank you for what's going to happen. We bless them. Lord, I thank you for the prophetic voice that they are. The voice in the wilderness, who will call, who will respond. I thank you, Lord, that they have been faithful. So, Lord, would you be faithful as they are faithful. In Jesus' name.